The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. This is News Talk. Welcome to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. On the show this morning, the weekend DIY project. We get tips on how to restyle your hallway in just 48 hours. We're looking at up and coming design trends in 2022 for flooring in the home. It could add 30% to the value of your home, so we look at how to construct the perfect basement. And our resident architect, Roisin Murphy, will be finding interesting ways to mark your territory and how to create the ultimate nursery for a new arrival. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here in The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You'll find me over on Twitter at Sinead underscore Ryan. Now, you might need that email address because next week, uh, Roisin Murphy will be in with her design clinic. So she'll be answering questions on projects you have, um, jobs you need done, something you're stuck with in the home and you will be getting her expertise. So why not email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com, send us in photographs and pictures of whatever it is and we'll get Roisin on hand uh, to do a little bit of surgery on that for you and you are very welcome along this morning now folks there's an awful lot of conversation and discussion going on about uh, parties and gatherings and work events and when is one not the other and it got me thinking about <laughs> the different ways that people are defining this or struggling to define it depending uh, on where you are um, so I heard that over in the UK Barris said well they spilled out into the garden after a work event uh, with obviously a suitcase full of drink uh, and canapes and whatever else over here you have uh, Simon Coveney may, department may or may not have had a party apparently it wasn't organised. It was a spontaneous event and he had three bottles of champagne. Who knows? So here's my question for you this week. How do you know when a party is not a party? We're all heading, heading back to work now. The restrictions are easing. Are you going to be in the dilemma you're going to be in work and not realise you're actually at a party? Is it the number of people? Is it the booze, the music? Please let me know. I'm concerned about this. I need to know if I'm at a party or not. What does that constitute nowadays? It's all been so long since we've been at one. Uh, text me 53106. Email us at thehomeshowatnewstalk.com. I could really do with some help on this one. And you are very welcome along to the show this morning. Now, last week, you'll remember, we looked at how to transform your bathroom in just 48 hours with Neve Marr, the head of content at her.ie. Well, we got a huge reaction to that piece. So we thought we'd look at another weekend makeover project, maybe for this weekend. And this time we're looking at the room that often gets overlooked, the hallway. Well, one woman, if you look at her Instagram page, knows all about creating a good first impression. Marissa Carter, CEO of Coca Brown and Carter Beauty and ambassador for Plan Ireland. Good morning. Welcome back to the Home Show, Marissa. Good morning, Sinead. Thanks for having me. Now, the hallway, I suppose it's not really a room, isn't that it? I mean, do you think that maybe people don't think of that? It just becomes somewhere to dump your stuff on your way to one of the other rooms. Yes, it can easily be forgotten about and just become um, a drop zone. Somewhere that you leave your shoes, your your helmets, your hats, your all the gear, your hurls, that just a drop zone for everything but I really do think that you should try and prioritize your hallway because it is your visitor's first impression and it also is a place that welcomes you home 
So let's get into some practical ways then um, that we can dress our hall. And remember, this is a 48-hour project over the weekend. So we're not going to Mm -hmm. be rebuilding your hall here, folks. This is stuff that you can do today, tomorrow, uh, just to make it look a little bit better. And imagine what it's going to be like on Monday when you come in from work and it just looks absolutely fab. So let's start with probably the easiest or maybe not the easiest, but the most obvious one, which is lighting, Marissa. Exactly. So you can instantly make your hallway more inviting by changing the light bulbs. Now, what I mean by that is you get rid of your standard cool white regular light bulb and you put in an extra warm light bulb. So any DIY store, whether it's Woody's or your Slorgan Decors or anywhere that sells light bulbs, if you ask for help finding an extra warm light bulb and what this will do is it will create an ambiance in the room it will instantly make that room feel warmer and more inviting another thing that you can do or another little trick that you can do to make a room feel brighter is to layer your lighting now what I've done is I've used a table lamp wall sconces that I put little LED candles into and then floor lanterns with, again, LED candles. So there's kids running around my house, so I have to be careful with, <laughs> with the Joe Malone <laughs> candles. Oh. The real stuff could be dangerous. Yeah. Um, but what this will do is it'll help draw your eye in through the, through the space. Where do you like to shop, Marissa, for stuff like that? I mean... Where do I shop? Okay, well, my hallway is like an ad for a, a, an Irish business in Kilkenny called The Snug Room. My mirror is from there, my wall sconces, my console table. It's almost embarrassing. It, it seems like I don't <laughs> shop anywhere else but The Snug Room in Kilkenny. I do. The pieces are usually, um, they're sourced from other Irish suppliers. So they're hand, the console, for example, the, the whole table, that is handmade. It is Irish oak wood. When it comes to pieces of furniture where there's high traffic, um, it's worth just spending that little, little bit money. more yeah, okay. on, on now, solid pieces that aren't going to fall apart when, okay. you, when now, you're near them. You mentioned at the beginning there about the clutter not falling over things. Are you a bit of a Marie <laughs> yeah. Kondo school of, of decluttering? Because it's not for oh, everybody. Yeah. And, I, and I mean, the hall can be a great place to store things. So talk to me a little bit about that storage. Yeah, now I'm probably a step even further than Marie Kondo. Oh um, yeah, I'm a Swedish deck cleaner. What does that mean? Yeah. So Swedish death cleaning is a a term that was coined for the sort of cultural norm in Sweden that is when you are getting to a sort of later stage in life that you're sort of getting rid of things from your home that are unnecessary and that you're not going to be leaving behind this awful burden for, for your loved one's of, you know, getting rid of things that should have been gotten, you know, should have been rehomed. So right. I that's very yeah, that's the, very thinking ahead. Uh, yeah, so it's kind no, of no, I don't that do it for that man- reason. <laughs> I I don't Swedish death clean because I'm thinking of my poor kids having to clean up all my junk. <laughs> I Swedish death clean because I love the idea of just not having just not having clutter everywhere. Yeah. So where do you put your stuff? Do you do you favour a cabinet? A hall table, a wall cupboard, or or nothing at all. 
well, in the hallway, I'm very lucky. I have a utility room, so I know that not everyone has a utility room. My utility room is sort of like, do you remember the episode of Friends where Monica has the, has, they get into Monica's closet yeah. and they just, the, you know, they can't believe what's in there. Mm. That's what my utility room is like. I'm like, oh my, just no one, no visitor ever going to the utility room. Everything will fall out on top of them, you mean. Exactly. <laughs> but I understand that that's not a possibility. So what do you do? I would recommend having baskets that can fit in under your console table or okay. under your hallway table if you can. And shoes and runners and slippers or anything that is uh, coming off your feet when you come in the door put them in the basket and, okay. get, and have that done straight away. If you don't have a console table with where, with where you have space for baskets, I would say get some really cute, um, unique coat hangers. Okay, um, good idea. Oh, yeah, the snow room have, they really do have fab ones. They've okay. got little brass bunnies and all sorts. Um, but what I would say about the hallway and kind of making it, even if you do have a bit of clutter in there, you can make it feel bigger by borrowing light from the other rooms so if you have say two or three doors off your hallway Mm -hmm. you can actually borrow light from those rooms by changing the doors so that they have glass in the top half okay good idea yeah it helps bring in light from those other rooms and it'll make a room feel less cluttered even if there are, you know, hockey sticks and commodes. Okay, now tell me a little bit, just just before we finish, on the whole idea of the paint versus wallpaper kind of dilemma, because I have, I, I, you're probably going to be horrified by this, but my hall is painted. Um, guess what colour, Marissa? Oh, if you say grey, no, we're not friends <laughs> oh, anymore. Oh, no. I'm going to have to live with that. I'm actually going to have to change now this weekend. Isn't that the only solution? Because I I want to be friends with you. It is grey and only because it is neutral and it goes with everything else. Am I missing a trick here? We're all guilty of it. This Hamptons grey colour or this Australian, you know, sort of lifestyle interior design became huge in the last 10 years. But the problem is, is that grey is so cold it doesn't Mm. matter what shade of gray they're all cold and we just don't have enough sunlight in Ireland to be able to pull off that cool gray tone in a room without making that room feel colder it's just unless you live in some microclimate of Ireland (laughs) where there is sunshine all day long and you have a south-facing room then grey is going to make your, your room okay, feel so cold, what no you, matter what. What do you recommend? Because it strikes me that even if you are, if your house faces that way and your hall is, mm-hmm. is bathed in light, it's still quite a dark, narrow space. So yeah. what colours work? I mean, can you go with a, a bold, dark colour or should you lighten it up even more? You know what? If your style, if, you're style, if you love bright, bold, fun colours, do that. If you love neutral colours, choose a neutral colour, but just don't make it grey. Please don't make it grey. So a beige with a, you want a beige or a a cream colour that has just a small tint of peach. Just a small tint of peach. Okay, a small hue of peach to warm it up. And I promise you, all you have to do is look at my Instagram page and have a look at the before and after of my hallway it's a small hallway there's nothing special about it and just have a little look and see how did I make that space look bigger and airier and you will be blown away fantastic now and and just remind us of your Instagram page 
it's just Marissa Carter. Of course it is. Marissa Carter, Carter, uh, CEO of Coco Brown Carter Beauty and Ambassador for Plan Ireland. They are some fantastic ideas. And thank you for joining us again on The Home Show, Marissa, with all that inspiration. And I'm going to send you some paint. (laughs) (laughs) You're determined to get rid of that grey. All right. Okay. listen, thanks a million for coming on the show and uh, great tips there. No excuses, folks, not to get the paintbrush out this weekend. I think I'm going to be uh, corralled into doing that later today. Now, if flooring is on your agenda for 2022, and I know there's a lot of stacked up building projects out there, you will want the very best advice available on what flooring to put down. And when it comes to tiles, there is no better person to advise us today than Tony Murphy, sales manager with Tile Style. Tony, you're very welcome along to the home show. Thanks, Sinead. Now, to be here. tiles are one of those things that I, I suppose are a huge project to begin with and a pain in the neck to change later on down the road. So I know your first tip is that, you know, tiles should be the chameleon in the home. Tell me what you mean by that. The, like it's the palette that everything else is going to surround. So even as your life changes and colours changes, that, that product that you've invested heavily in that background is always there, but it just complements everything else in your home. So should it always be neutral then? Because when we think of tiles, there's some fantastic ideas and designs out there. But it, would your suggestion be just to keep it in, in broadly neutral colours? No, because like lots of people will like pattern tiles. A lot of people now want to bring the tiles from inside their home, outside. We sell outdoor tiles here that match indoor tiles. So suddenly now people are bringing nature back into the home, making that room seem even bigger. Right. Okay. So that's a really interesting concept. I I suppose to, are you talking here about maybe a kitchen that's tiled and then an outdoor, outdoor patio area? Exactly. And that brings in the whole thing of biophilic design where you're bringing nature even matching with splashbacks in green, like some people are even saying now green is the new black. Mm. Uh, so when it comes to that type of design, they've brought nature in. It's more embracing. It's more comforting. So it's echoing the, the colours that maybe are outside in your garden. So does that include the, kind of the browns and the stones and, and as you say, the greenery? Greens, definitely different shades, different shapes, even browns insofar as like we can make tiles in both in timber effect that can go from both indoor to outdoor so suddenly there's just this seamless feel of a room seeming much larger than it actually is because of this outside area as well and i suppose for people now who have this on trend you know these big picture windows or these massive yes. open doors is that that kind of look it kind of pulls the eye out through to the garden patio area Absolutely. Like we have some wonderful tiles, even from Porcelain Osa, where they're 120 by 120 and they're huge tiles, but just create where there's this open plan effect and suddenly the the grout lines are disappearing because of the size of the physical size of the tile. Okay, that's a really good idea because I think a lot of people feel, and I would be one of them, that having big tiles like that makes your room look smaller. But you're, you're saying no, that's not the case. No, because ultimately you've gone and purchased the tiles. It's the tiles you've bought. It's not the grout lines. That isn't a part of what you want to picture in your room. Mm. So I tell people, look at the product. Look at the feel you want to create. 
and and pick the tiles to match that. Now, one of the tiling uh, style designs that I love, and I suppose it's a bit Marmite, not everybody loves it, is the terrazzo look. That's where you have this kind of speckling through the stone or through the porcelain. Is How popular is that? Very popular. Like, we'll do it in both original terrazzo, where it's actually the marble and that is inside the tile, to the porcelain version of terrazzo, like that whole venetian style and you have the whole color palette that that entails so what kind of colors can people get in that then what kind of look it's more they can get from greens to creams to beiges there's somewhere there'll be more vibrant colors within it that'll pop that bit more you know Mm. and you have to be a little bit worried about kind of is too much you know putting in too much is 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 less is more at times too like it's it ultimately if, if you surrounded the whole room and it sometimes it can look like well i often describe it as interference on the telly <laughs> as you walk into the room you know but it's it's managing that process that it you get the effect you want it, that it enhances the room rather than takes away from it. Now I know uh, that one of the things that has made a huge comeback and I say comeback because I remember this in the home of my childhood where we had a parquet floor um, which are like I don't know would you call them wooden tiles in a kind of a pattern, a herringbone or a chevron pattern. They're they're popular again Tony isn't that right? Yeah they've the the parquet that herringbone and chevron style has come into tiling as well and so people can get both tiles in that format and would affect tiles in that format. Like here at Tile Style, we sell bathrooms, kitchens, outdoor tiles. So you can see the raft of products that we have available, you know, mm. and all the room settings with them in. Now, people do buy that kind of wood effect look in a tile. Do you think it's more practical, say, for a kitchen uh, to have that? Because they can look very realistic. It's only when you touch it and you realise actually it's quite cold uh, that it is a tile. But but for a lot of people now, they've underfloor heating and the tile is actually ideal. Like it's, it's almost indestructible. And so you're no longer worrying about spillages, putting that pot you've taken out of the oven and almost burnt your hand onto the floor and worrying about the floor underneath it. It it just makes it such a practical thing. And even if you have the doors opening up into the garden, like I often say, having a dog is like having almost a small calf coming into the house <laughs> when it's in the middle of winter that destroys the floor. And what you ultimately want is just to quickly wipe around and clean up. You do indeed. And you definitely don't want to be doing that with your precious hardwood polished no, floors on the tile. So talk to me now, Tony. You're obviously back to normal now. Very, very busy. What kind of customers are you expecting in this weekend? What are they looking for? All the women in or are they dragging the husbands behind them? The husbands now will come on their own as well. <laughs> so a lot of them are design led to. The, the wonderful thing is we've our 40th anniversary sale, so we've lots of different people coming in, all different stages, people remodeling, people changing the look of one room, uh, or doing a complete house that they can come in and see everything they want in the one store. All right. Well, listen, Tony Murphy of Tile Style, thank you for joining us on the whole show welcome. today. Now, still to come, I'm still looking for your advice and information on parties, 
work gatherings, business meetings or champagne dues. How do you know when you have fallen over into that space of a party? Let me know. Text us at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. Now, you'll remember last week our resident architect Roisin Murphy said that adding a basement to your home could result in the value of the property increasing by up to 30%. Well, we got a great reaction to that, so we thought it would be a good idea to talk to one of the country's leading companies who specialise in basement constructions. Paddy Daly, installer for Amvic Ireland and owner of Daly Construction. Morning. Uh, Welcome along to the home show, Paddy. Morning, Fred. How are you? Not too bad. Now, tell me about, when I think of basements in homes, I, I'm thinking of either the ancient cellars that kind of were built uh, in the 19th century or these fabulous footballers' homes that you see in London with these dugout basements for pools and yeah. all sorts and gyms and all that. How popular is it in Ireland? It's not as popular as people think currently, okay, especially in existing homes. It is, it is becoming, uh, there is a demand starting to trend where it is becoming popular in new builds, okay? Right. But in, when we talk about basements, we have two total different aspects. We have existing homes and we have new builds. In existing homes, there's, it's a completely different uh, scenario in respect to the cost that can be incurred. So, trying to install a basement in an existing home, there's a lot more risk involved with it, so to mm. speak, because you have a full house there, at one side, and you're trying to come under it. Whereas, of when you're starting with a new build, you have nothing there, only a green field, and you're starting with a hole in the ground, and you're walking your way up. Right. So it does, because it, it sounds to me like retrofitting could be very, very difficult on them. Because, I mean, if you're going to dig down from your ground level, are you not going to hit, like, pipes and cables and all of that kind of thing? How do you avoid all that? You are, indeed, you are. It's a, it's a running through your work zone, of course you are, and that just becomes a lot more pre-planning has to go into place. But even the fact of hitting pipes, that would actually be a minor, um, a minor observation for me. It'd be more the structure of the house I'd be thinking of, because what you're going to do is you're going to bypass, you're going to go down by the existing foundations of the house that's already there that's holding up the house. Mm-hmm. And you have to stabilise them before you do any works around them. So your house doesn't fall down. Exactly, essentially. <laughs> well, that would seem to be a minor consideration, all right. So <laughs> tell me, for the people then who are building basements, say from a greenfield site, why? what what is the attraction? What, what are they using them for? What do they want to get out of having a basement? So what we have found is anywhere we're doing a basement, maybe nine times out of ten, it's into an existing hill. So someone might have a site on an existing hill, and for them to get a level site, they might have to do a cut and fill. And a cut and fill is where they're cutting into the hill, and they're using that, bringing it out, and dumping it sort of a level playing field. You know ah, what I mean? okay. And does that? And and then you have to be then conscious that you can provide light there then because there's no point in having a basement that's just, uh, you know, dark hole. What seems to be coming popular is a lot of people are using basements as cinema homes. They actually have their cinema down in their basement. Well, of course. Where else would you put your cinema? Exactly. (laughs) Right. Okay. So talk to me about the construction of a cinema. So the cinema side of the things, that's just interior. The actual basement itself is two main areas that you have to pay close attention to. And not just the homeowner, but the professionals that the homeowner engages with, okay? Mm-hmm. And that being structure number one, 
and waterproofing number two. Okay? Okay. So in regards to the construction of it, when we ICF farms, okay, so I'm an approved installer with Ambig Ireland. Yeah. Ambig Ireland is a manufacturer of ICF, insulated concrete formwork. It's another building method, so to speak, like, but it's made from insulated blocks. Okay. And what we do is we build them like blocks, stacked on top of each other like Lego, to make our wall, and we install steel rebar in them as we're, pour, as we're building them, and then we pour concrete down between them after. Okay, That's so you get that. Like, I, I suppose it is the equivalent to double glazing on your walls. You know, you're getting those two, those two things with a fill in the middle. Exactly, so to speak. So okay. to speak. And what we do then is, so when we're going back to our two main principles being the structure and waterproofing, the structure, your structural engineer will give the contractor the design of what steel they want in the ICF farms, okay? Mm-hmm. They'll be installed as they're building them. And then before the concrete is actually installed into the farm, which gives it its strength and its, its structure, the engineer would then come out and he would do an inspection to make sure everything was done as per his advice and that he can sign off on your basement. Okay. Now, we've seen a lot of them in London. I think people will be familiar with the big basements that actually they're yeah. getting into an awful lot of trouble, aren't they, in, in central London for bigging, digging along these basements because it, it kind of screws up with, with floodworks and all that kind of thing. What do you think is the attraction there in doing it? So, with Ireland versus England, the, the planning guidelines will be much different. And it is a trend over there. They can't go out, they can't go up, so they've decided they're going down. Oh, I and see. And there's a huge market over there for it. There seems now, to be. Now, in saying that, there's an basement association over in England, and they have a technical guide to for people to be able to work off and follow as well. Mm because it's so common over there. Okay, and um, tell me now, just if somebody felt like doing that or wanted to explore it or maybe add it to a house that they're already building, what kind of extra costs are you looking at on a new build? If your house is costing you 450000 you would more than likely be looking at, you, you wouldn't see 20% going into it. Right, okay, so you'd want to be sure that you're doing it and it would bring up the overall value of the house then. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And the key thing to it is the waterproofing that is done by an approved certified installer. I, of I would think whichever so. Whichever product they use, you know what I mean? I do. All right. And well, listen, Paddy Daly, installer for Amvic Ireland and owner of Daly Construction. Thank you for giving Daily us those tips yeah. on uh, installing a basement. And thanks for joining us on the home show today. Thank you very much. Now, I am delighted to welcome back in studio our design guru, resident mm-hmm. architect, Roisin Murphy. Why are we talking about walls? Well, we talk about walls all the time on this yeah. show. We talk about kitchen walls and living room walls and all that. But actually, we are coming outside the house and mm. we are going to talk about an area which I think is actually a really sensitive one when Oof. it comes to neighbourhood living. Oof, ha, yeah. Isn't it? Really isn't important, it really? really sensitive. It's about setting boundaries yeah. and particularly if you share your driveway. Yeah or you're in a row of identical homes mm-hmm. on in a housing estate and it is about how to make sure that that space gives you privacy yeah. gives you gives you space yeah. but also doesn't encroach on on the person next door and a lot of these new houses are being built with shared spaces aren't listen they? Sinead these are there are big thick books in the law library and one of them says trampolines and the other one says 
boundary walls. Yeah. <laughs> They're very contentious, but very important. And the new developments are a little bit scary because you don't see any marcation and mm. demarcation. And you're going, I wonder how that's going to go for them as they go down. And you'll see and say more of the council developments traditionally in Ireland, they would have had no fencing. And over the years, people would have put fences in. But since COVID times, people were out their back gardens. And what's really struck me is there's an increase in lighting and an increase in activity in back gardens. Mm. In particular, mm. the front gardens is kind of like, I don't think people, I think they, they there's that shared collective thing of they eventually put a, a picket fence down the middle. Well, this is and the there's thing. height and not light impacting. Yeah, I think this is an issue though, yeah. because I mean, I as you know, I do a Q&A in the Irish yeah. Independent on a Friday and I get lots of queries in from people saying, what am I going to do about this and that? And one of the ones that keeps popping up is that driveway yeah. uh, issues. He's parking, I can't park. He's yeah. encroaching on my side. And, and especially where you have, as you say, no, like a, lot, no of low, a lot of, yeah, no management companies will put even down a different coloured brick. But they're the not centre. doing that. They're not yeah. doing it. They're doing shared drives. It's space, so, price, and also cheap. I have to say, I think it's one of the things the council should insist on, that if there is for, for housing developments, that they should put the boundary in at the outset. Because yeah. that's control. But usually there's a management company look after all of the hedge work oh, and all I that see. sort of stuff. So you, first of all, you have to check whether you're allowed to put a wall in. And second of all, you and your neighbour have to agree or you get a surveyor out to to do because even it will be on your deed maps. It will be the boundary, the boundary even will, on the front. Yeah, even in every, of course. Okay, and it, it may have sewage or something running underneath it. But what I would say is, I'm more interested in the ones in the back because <laughs> I think that since all the cope. Copacabana bars you're suddenly there out in the back <laughs> these are the sheds the, the, the well, converted COVID no sheds. but that thing we're living in the back garden you I have know, a fence I in the know. back and suddenly you know it's no longer it's a really big issue that everybody's out partying and God bless us it's great it has taught us to use those back gardens so what they're recommending is soundproofing your back. How, How would do you, you do it? Fence? Yeah, seriously. How do you do You're it? Out in the open air, she yeah. can look over the fence and. No, you, Mrs. Murphy, yeah. the nice washing out there. If you're not going to invite me in, I'm not going to be happy. Are you having a party next door? So you can. What they're saying is there actually are soundproofing baffles. There's things like that you can put between the gardens. Um, like there's, you know, it's 1.2 meters is the height restrictions on fencing in the front, and it's just over two meters on the the height restrictions on the back garden. But, but that's not going to soundproof anything. No, but you can if you grow a hedge. Oh. A hedge. Anything okay. that any what you've got to think oh, about is it's like it, a it will disperse okay. the noise. Okay. okay. So okay. you can think about it in ways like this. But also it allows you to to give that little zone of privacy. And um, be careful with lighting as well in your act you know, you're going to disturb the habitat and the neighbours if the lights go up. I mean it may look beautiful, but not everybody wants to land a helicopter in their back garden. Are they? No. The neighbours <laughs> like what you do in your back garden does have light. There's light uh, pollution, there's noise pollution. So growth apparently is a really good way to do that. But in the front garden Anything you do between that boundary on that line has to be agreed between the pair of you. Does it? Yes. Okay, so yeah. you can't decide, look, do you know what? I'm not a bit happy with the way he's parking his car, so I'm going to put up a picket fence in the middle no, or you have to, bricks. You, you can do it inside your boundary. Okay. Right? And that has to be laid out by a surveyor. But you cannot land grab. You cannot You cannot put your fence or the fixings or otherwise inside your neighbour's property. It's, it's not okay. You okay. can't use... A fence either for structural work. Do you know what I mean? Safety mm. side. It's a boundary wall. It's got very specific. You can go in and repair it. If you have a kind of a neighbour who's not going to go in and look after the boundary wall, you are legally can under the under the act go in and say, look, I'm telling you now, I'm going to fix the wall. And if you don't fix it, I'm allowed to fix it because right. it's it's a shared boundary. And the other thing I would always urge people, 
don't build on your boundary wall. It is very handy unless you're building simultaneously at the same time and you're being a really good neighbour and you're saying, go on and build, we'll build on the boundary wall, we save a foot each. What they build will control what you build. So if they have they have rights to go in and maintain that wall oh, so be okay. really so don't attach yeah don't stuff to don't it. don't use it for that extra foot okay. unless okay. you are absolutely building at the same time and clear because it invokes rights that they have to maintain that boundary wall gosh there's an awful lot to it then there's an yeah. awful lot to consider so i mean if you are and it can be an area i know of huge contention yeah. people just get annoyed by their neighbors you can't choose your neighbors no. and they they don't live like you do maybe no. and they have a different way no. of, of doing things and the first thing you want to do is stick a wall all right down the middle yeah. sometimes yeah move <laughs> down the country <laughs> it, like that's why we all like a lot of us it is really difficult but the yeah. thing about the front thing is that's why in an older property you maintain the boundary you keep the boundaries clear uh, you you know allow your 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 neighbour to go and paint it brilliant okay fantastic yeah. tips there right folks okay now one of the things of course which does upset neighbours and can upset neighbours and uh, there's nothing you can do about it is a crying baby uh, and if you are stuck beside somebody who has just brought home a new arrival well you might be delighted you might feel sorry for them uh, but uh, there's nothing you can do about the noise that they make and uh, we are going to segue nicely then into somebody who is in that happy position who is bringing home a new baby and wants to design a nursery for it. I'm surprised. I don't think we have ever covered nurseries with you on this programme. No, maybe it's just because we're both past that stage by a long mile and don't want to remember it. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm certainly there. I have to say... I'm not the nursery generation. I don't know. Anymore. I kind of... You know, when they're when they're banging out the tunes and they have teenage parties and all of that sort of stuff, you, you do wish for the hate. I don't think you ever sleep once you have a child because you're there. Are they back in the house? Are they going to turn up? And then I find I have now got my children's friends on my phone just in case to have the complete thing ring-fenced That's and then the shame and name. If you're not home at a certain time, I'm phoning their parents. So... But I don't think you ever lose it, which is why I think that I'm very fond of this notion of from the cradle to the grave in terms of, of teenage children's room design. <laughs> Do not design for a short time, design for a lifetime yeah. because they come out. They're in these beautiful bespoke little cribs and everything and like that. And the lace oh, and the colour and the little pictures lovely. you've done and you think they're taking it all in and they're going to be, they're so super intelligent as they yes, are that they're all taking geniuses. all this in. Now, t- talk to me about the pink blue thing because I know it causes a huge amount of controversy. Like, should we be gender neutralising our nurseries? I wouldn't wonder, I, I, okay, first of all, I wouldn't worry about the pink colour. Okay, to be honest with you, that's the easy thing to change. What I would say to you, if you are going for broke in terms of this notion of sustainable design, buy a piece of furniture that will move through the times. So you could, for instance, get, there are, uh, Bonnie and Clyde do say cribs that can turn into chairs or day beds. So you get a piece of furniture that starts off with okay, a crib. so that does them all the way up. Does them all the way up, but it can become a conservatory piece of furniture if the kids ah. get sick of them. Number two, say things like shelving, for instance. You can get um, a small, what it is like a book shelf and I'm very keen on it I think the little library is one of the cutest things <laughs> oh they're so cute and they're completely gender neutral because everybody can read anyway so you can get them sort of like a little now this is a bit gendered but it could be a garage it could be a doll's house but they can put them as shelving units so rather than so the toy becomes gets mounted onto the wall they can put little people in it or little cars or alternatively they can put little books ah, and, it's, and so it idea. turns from a toy into this thing the other thing is storage on wheels that can be used for toys can then be turned into storage for helmets and GA gear as so time goes like, on so that's like these hampers or um, chests precisely okay. but also beds you, if you say for instance you can have there is a bunk bed 
from a company I do a lot of work for and they're not getting a free shout out. Uh, but they basically... Would they be over in Ballymun with the big be blue over and white square? On, yeah. <laughs> right. But they do say one of the one of the most famous beds they have is one that it goes from, um, you can make underneath it can be it can be initially starts off as a bunk bed with a very low bed, but then as the child grows older, it turns into a loft bed, and the underneath part of it turns into a playhouse. Oh, oh how yeah! Cool is that? And then you, yeah, and I've seen really other ones, cool. and the bottom bed turns into then like a sofa, a yeah, seating area, yeah, or a desk or whatever. Okay. So what you're thinking about? So the the the, the big thing is uh, so there, there's safety issues and everything around design and stuff like that, but right. uh, bunting and things like that you have to be careful of. But they're a great way to end. They put a pop of if you wanted pink, if you want a blue to make it in a bunting so you have to, mm. don't have to repaint the room. I always think about colour, not in terms of whether it's a boy or girl, but in terms of, say, you want a stimulating colour if your child is sleepy and then you want a snoozy colour if they are wakey-wakey. Well, exactly. Yeah, well, and black outlines and curtains and I noise reduction. I have been that soldier and I'm yeah. sure you have Yes, too. I have. I still am. If I'm looking tired, it's because I am tired because I'm teenagers. Now, something yeah. that parents like to do and I think it's increasingly popular is uh, like... Oh, a one wall say fresco either wallpaper that makes yeah. tells a story maybe yeah. a jungle scene or you know animal yes. something that you think oh it's very educational and my children will learn all the animals yeah. names they don't folks they don't do that <laughs> but it can be nice for the parents to have it in it is and I also think of one really nice one I think that is a really good one is blackboard magnet paint so you get okay because okay. you yeah so you could make say a montage of black and white black and white is one of the stimulating colours for babies it's really important it does something to their irises so black and mm. white rather than colour but you could do uh, one of those things and then they you can put magnet things on it so you could could say do magnet magnetized letters letters are incredibly universal mm. I still collect letters and I'm well beyond the age of a toddler um, but they're kind of thing that if you can put letters on with different sandpapers and different textures okay. so it gets to be fun but it's also stimulating and helping them learn their letters and I'm going to say this like with kids all kids there's Every house in Ireland will have a kid who has got an educational issue or... So these are all things that are really important for the whole family. But if you integrate them at the lower down, say if they're dyslexic or dyspraxic, these tiny little things make the, that make, give us an edge, give okay. them all an edge. But it means it's kind of universal design for all types of learning. My favourite, um, not quite when I was in the nursery, because I can't remember if I had, an, <laughs> I'm sure I didn't have a nursery. We were oh, all chucked into the same room together. Yeah. But my favourite yeah. ba- bedroom accessory when I was a very small child was a blackboard. It, I loved blackboards. I loved them. I'd have been a great teacher. Yeah. No, uh, I, you folks, were I wouldn't teacher. have been a great teacher. The other I would thing have been a terrible well, teacher. The other thing I would say too as well is uh, cane furniture for the, the, the nursery chair for, yeah. for mums. Okay, yeah. Put a chair for yourself into the room oh, so definitely. that you can sit and make definitely. it so that there's that, that piece of furniture will that come all the way up. breastfeeding, yeah. whatever you're And doing. also okay. don't be afraid of like, they don't, you don't put plants apparently in, but you could put like a twig or a tree and, and wind fairy lights okay. and stuff. And that's the kind of thing that goes all the way through the ages. Fantastic. All right. Gosh, loads of tips there. So if you're not going to remodel your hall, as we heard in the beginning of the show, <laughs> you can definitely create a nursery. Actually, yeah. that sounds like a nice bedroom space for I know. anybody. I would, I would still like a blackboard. <laughs> I won't lie. We'd all like to get yeah. a little nursery every now and then and crawl into the crib. Uh, now, Roisin, every yeah. week you bring me in an object of design. Okay, it's been a oh. rough week, Sinead. I saw your article in The Independent. So in here, I have ah. something that was sent to me at Christmas. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I absolutely love it. So, and it is, I suppose, it's one of those pieces of art. And I know there's a lot of talk about Ashling Murphy and all of that and what's happened. And I think one of the things is we're all supposed to go off to the gym and learn how to. But I actually think this for me is the message that goes on the wall. And it's for my kids, all my kids and my family. And I think for all of us. And it's from Mazer. He sent it to Uh, me. And I have a bit of a fixation of this. 
Okay. So Are you read read the graffiti? This is a poster of a Dublin street scene, um, a Richmond place actually, because it says it on the on the thing, and it says on it, graffitied on the wall, "Don't be, be afraid." And you know what? That is absolutely a message for us for all. For us all, don't be afraid. This week. Because there is that sense that when I went out for my own run and I was going, God, am I going out on my own in the afternoon? Because I like a sneaky run. And then I thought, I was just look at that thing and I think, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to stand up and be counted, but don't be afraid to stand up. And, and not to be afraid, okay, we're not going to go, especially women, we're mm. not going back into our no. boxes to be and, afraid. And remember that... These horrific and yeah. hideous events, when they occur, are newsworthy because they are so rare. Um, Thank you. Exactly. And, and we, we ought not yeah. be afraid. Roisin, that's a it's beautiful piece. And These I, are art. Yeah, don't may, be afraid. And it's a, it's a yeah. lovely poster, actually. That could adorn any wall. Yeah, I have to say. And I think it's a lovely message to send to your kids as they're going out. Don't be afraid. The junior cert, leaving cert. Do be afraid of your mother if you come home drunk. <laughs> afraid only, no. only of your mum. Pop a picture of I will, that of course. Up I have it up already. Which is? Uh, Roshi Murphy Architect. Murphy Architect. I, I do have it up already, I have to All say, right. but I'm going to put it up again because I just think it's a really strong message to send to us that we are not going to be afraid. Okay, and listen to me. Next week, um, as I just said at the top of the show, we have the doctor in the house next week. We're going to do a design clinic. They're forcing me to do so, this. I cannot believe it. Questions? Is called, that is called, that's Gareth there at the producer. has got his listen, thumb up there we now. We have you in here now for free. We're I am not committing for, to a clinic, but I would say to anyone, I get a lot of messages, okay? Yeah. I do get a lot of messages on Instagram and this year in particular, I haven't been able to respond to any of them. Yeah. Um, it's been a really tough year. Um, so please... If you want me to answer some questions, there's no point leaving a message on my phone or even emailing me. I can't get through them at the moment, but I would like to help people. Email so, us yeah. instead. So it's the home show at newstalk.com. Even if you want to send in pictures or whatever, <laughs> any design project in the house, something you have a query over or can't fix, our doctor is here to do just that. And all I right. sent photos too all and right. plans. Okay. And that is all we have time for on the home show. And uh, I'd like to thank the production team. We had a lot to do this week uh, pulling the show together. Gareth Mulhall, Ben King, Stephen McLoon on sound and Aaron O'Toole. Up next, it's the Anton Savage Show and he'll be talking to young female farmers down on the farm. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you all next week.